Answering Mormon's Questions by Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson deals with 36 commonly asked questions by your LDS friends and neighbors. It's a great resource for Christians who want to share their faith with friends and loved ones. Be sure to pick up your copy today at your favorite Christian bookstore. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. So glad you could be with us for this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We continue looking at a talk that was given by President Russell M. Nelson, the 17th president of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It was a talk titled, Come Follow Me, that he gave in general conference in April of 2019. And the way he segued into his message is by using the example of a young police officer that he was talking to after he and his wife had visited Paradise, California, following that dreadful fire that took place in November of 2018. The police officer related that he was saving a number of people who were in this tragic circumstance, and yet he asked himself the question, where is my family? Here he was saving others, but he did not know where his family was at the time. And that's the question that Russell M. Nelson is using to ask his audience, where is your family regarding eternity? Because as we've explained in this series, being with their family is a very important doctrine in Mormonism, so much so that many Mormons, when you ask them what they hope to receive in the next life, it would be to be with their family. Usually they don't answer to be with my Savior, to be with Jesus. It's all about family. But there are requirements in Mormonism if a member hopes to be with their family, and that is exactly what Russell M. Nelson is going to talk about in this talk that he gave in April of 2019. So we are now on page 89 in the May edition of Ensign Magazine, the May 2019 edition. Page 89, we're in the third column, and this is what Russell M. Nelson then tells his audience. Listen to these words spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ to his prophet. And now he's going to quote Doctrine and Covenants, section 132, verse 7. All covenants, contracts, bonds, obligations, oaths, vows, performances, connections, associations, or expectations that are not made and entered into and sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, then he has an ellipsis, are of no efficacy, virtue, or force in and after the resurrection from the dead. For all contracts that are not made unto this end have an end when men are dead. Now, what's interesting about him citing section 132, verse 7, is Mormon apostle Bruce McConkie did the same thing on page 408 of his book, Mormon Doctrine. But this is how he introduced section 132, verse 7. He starts off by saying, What then is the law of justification? It is simply this. And then he goes on to say, All covenants, contracts, bonds, obligations, oaths, vows, performances, as you just read. And then he ends it with this. He says, in which men must abide to be saved and exalted, must be entered into and performed in righteousness 
so that the Holy Spirit can justify the candidate for salvation in what has been done. And the question we often ask when we cite this in our symposiums at churches is, done by whom? Done by the individual member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is what is required, folks, of the member of the LDS Church if they hope to meet the requirement of what they understand to be the law of justification. This is not the New Testament justification we're talking about here. Because in the New Testament, it is clearly taught that we are justified or made right in the eyes of God by our faith in what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary on our behalf. That's what justifies us. But yet, Nelson and McConkie both, in citing section 132, verse 7, make it clear that that's not so, not according to the restored gospel of Mormonism. No, there are covenants, contracts, bonds, obligations, oaths, vows, performances, connections, associations, expectations. And if they're not made and entered into and sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, all that you may have promised to do has no efficacy. There's no virtue and there's no force. There's no need on God's behalf to fulfill his side of the bargain if you don't do what you are supposed to do as a member of the LDS Church. In the next paragraph, he says, So what is required for a family to be exalted forever? We qualify for that privilege by making covenants with God, keeping those covenants, and receiving essential ordinances. Now, Bill, just two years previous to this conference in 2017, listen to what Russell M. Nelson said in a talk called Drawing the Power of Jesus Christ into Our Lives. He says, Our covenants bind us to him and give us godly power. Covenant-keeping men and women seek for ways to keep themselves unspotted from the world so there will be nothing blocking their access to the Savior's power. You have to understand, making covenants, anybody can just do that. You do it every week at sacrament service. You do it in the temple. These are important to Latter-day Saints, and they do these all the time. But keeping the covenants is a whole different matter because Latter-day Saints have to continually repent because they didn't do what they promised. And then their church tells them they need to make more promises knowing they're not going to be able to keep those promises. It's a vicious circle, and this is why this religion falls apart. I think you explain it properly when you say it's a vicious circle. Because here are Latter-day Saints every week partaking of the sacrament, as you just mentioned, or the communion, as it's known to us. And when they do that, they say a prayer. And in that prayer, they vow to keep the commandments. That has been understood and explained by LDS leaders as not just some of the commandments. They are vowing to keep all of the commandments. And that's what DNC 132.7 says. It says, all contracts... All the covenants, all those words, the word all is before that. And that means every single one. And again, as we mentioned earlier, 
this week, we said that First uh, Nephi three seven says God doesn't give commandments that can't be kept. So why are you not doing what you're supposed to be doing? Yeah, if the Book of Mormon, as you said, teaches in First Nephi that they're supposed to be able to do it, then why aren't they doing it? It's I assume because they are in fact spotted with the world. The world has prevented them from doing this. This is why they have to repent so often. And I don't think sometimes Latter-day Saints understand that connection. And that's why I think as Christians, we need to remind them that if they are repenting, the mere fact that you are repenting is because you have violated God's revealed law in some way. And your repentance is supposed to get you to acknowledge that fact and hopefully get you to turn away from the error that you were making. Now, in Mormonism, true repentance, of course, means you're not only confessing the sin, but you will never, ever repeat that sin again. Or DNC 82.7 says that all your former sins come back upon you. Again, talk about a vicious circle. I mean, you can't get away from this. Uh, the, the church has been very clear about what DNC 82.7 is, is talking about, that you have to repent, but you have to not do the sin again. It's all about obedience. But what do you think when he says, he says, so what is required for a family to be exalted forever? We qualify for that privilege by making covenants with God keeping those covenants, and receiving essential ordinances. Now, as I mentioned earlier in this series, it's not just up to the parents to do this, to be with their children. The children have to do it in order to be with their parents. Right. So if you have a child that is struggling with their Mormonism, perhaps they don't even believe it any longer. We know relatives of prominent members in the LDS church, professors at Brigham Young University, for instance. We've talked to those who are related to some of the general authorities that don't believe a word of Mormonism any longer. If those family members who are faithful to Mormonism are looking for their heavenly bliss to be with them in eternity, they're going to be sorely disappointed. So you can see why, if your hope is to be with your family, and that's what you think is going to bring you joy after you die, you could be extremely disappointed. And perhaps that is why, as I mentioned yesterday, where Mormon apostle Jeffrey R. Holland makes that comment in the video that people watch before they enter in a temple open house, where he says it would not be heaven if he was not with his family. First of all, Shame on Jeffrey Holland for exalting his family to that high level. And as we've mentioned before, though all of us as evangelical Christians would love to be with our families throughout eternity, though we don't believe that we're going to be a family unit as understood in Mormonism, we would hope to be with our family members in the family of God. Certainly, I would think none of us would say it would not be heaven if those family members were not there. Remember, Jeffrey Holland said that. I don't think that's anything close to what an evangelical Christian would say. Nelson continues, This has been true since the beginning of time. Adam and Eve, Noah and his wife, Abraham and Sarah, Lehi and Sariah, and all other devoted disciples of Jesus Christ, since the world was created, have made the same covenants with God, They have received the same ordinances that we as members of the Lord's Restored Church today have made, those covenants that we receive at baptism and 
in the temple. So are we to believe that Adam and Eve really entered a temple? Are we to believe that Noah and his wife and Abraham and Sarah entered a temple? Or that they got baptized, Bill. I mean, it's interesting that he puts all those names of people that were talked about in the Bible and also Lehi and Sariah found in the Book of Mormon, and they were all before Christ, and yet he says, and all other devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. They never even knew who Jesus Christ was. That was something in the future for all of those people. They received baptism and that they all knew about temples. Most of the people there had no clue as to what a temple would have been. And I wonder how many sitting in front of Russell M. Nelson when he makes this comment, whether personally or in front of their television, they don't have a clue as to what the Old Testament says about these things. We know that there were ceremonial washings for the priests in the temple, but there were no baptisms as such until the New Testament. And as far as temples are concerned, we know that the first temple that was built was Solomon's temple. So they didn't have temples. And even before that, when they had the tabernacle, Adam and Eve and Abraham and those people were long before the tabernacle ever came into existence. So there's no historical evidence to justify what Russell M. Nelson says in this particular paragraph. When you don't know what your Bible says, you can fall for just about anything because you don't know how to refute it. And unfortunately, far too many Latter-day Saints, and I will admit far too many professing Christians, don't know what the Bible has to say. And because of that, they fall for all sorts of false doctrines, including the doctrines that Russell M. Nelson is teaching in this talk titled, Come, Follow Me. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.